Tonight's first reading comes from Acts chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. And that can be found on page 1160 of the Church Bible. When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Second reading is 1 Thessalonians. Not the whole of it, thank goodness. Just the first ten verses of the first chapter. Paul, Silas and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit, and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols, to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Well, I wonder whether you need some encouragement to live to please God. Do you find it hard living to please God? Uh, do, you, uh, do you experience opposition from the world, where the world thinks it's a waste of time, that it's old-fashioned, to care about living to please God? Have you got people, individuals in your family or your friends who think it's a bit of a joke, who think you're wasting your life? And what about your own, your own failures in trying to live to please God or your own apathy or your tiredness? Do you need some encouragement to keep on living to please God? And I wonder whether as a church... As a church, we need encouragement to keep on pressing on. 
I think we need that generally, but I wonder whether uh, having at the end of last term said farewell uh, to the Brooks and to Emma Coy, and there's some disappointment there that things didn't work out, there's confusion about why they didn't. That leads to discouragement, doesn't it? And we wonder what God is doing. Do you need some encouragement to live to please God? Well, then you've come to the right place. The Bible gives encouragement. And 1 Thessalonians, this letter that Paul wrote to this church, is full of encouragement. And I want to show you that tonight, how much encouragement there is when you look at Paul, Silas and Timothy. How much encouragement there is when you look at the Thessalonians. And the greatest encouragement when you see where this comes from. Paul, Silas and Timothy. They're the first four words of this letter. 1237 is the page number. And when you look at them, there is so much encouragement to live to please God when you see what they are like. They visited Thessalonica and they say in chapter 2 verse 1, You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We'd previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi as you know, but with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. They'd just suffered in Philippi and been insulted. And I don't mean that they got sick and they looked so awful and someone said to them one day, you look awful, and it felt like an insult. No. People opposed them. People dragged them before the magistrate. They were flogged. Flown in, uh, thrown in prison, and they had to leave town. Any normal person would do what? I've had enough of that. I'm going back to the last town where I didn't get thrown into jail, and I'll lead a quiet life. Did they do that? No. They pressed on to the next town, which was Thessalonica. They dared to tell you the gospel in spite of strong opposition. What happened? There was a riot again. And for the sake of the believers in the town, they had to leave after how long? Three weeks. And they went on to suffer in other places. Do you see what Paul and Silas are like? What an encouragement they are? They shared Jesus despite opposition. But you can imagine that the Thessalonians then, when they don't get to see Paul, Silas and Timothy again, when they don't come back, they begin to wonder. Why did they really leave? Were they really genuine? Did they really care about us? Maybe they were just after our money. And so Paul makes it clear, verse 3, the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you, verse 5. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. Far from wanting money from you, he says, we were like a mother, verse 7. A mother who looks after their little child. No one works harder than a mother looking after their breastfeeding baby. And that's what Paul is saying. We worked night and day so that we wouldn't be a burden to you so that we wouldn't ask you for money. We weren't after your money. And we weren't just like a mother, we were like a father. Verse 11, we kept on encouraging you and comforting you and urging you. We said whatever you needed to hear to grow in Jesus. 
They shared Jesus despite opposition and they loved them in their visit of three weeks. And what's it been like since then? Well, chapter 2, verse 17, have a look. They are torn away from them and have an intense longing to get back there to help them. And in chapter 3, as they worry about how they're going and whether they're standing firm, verse 5, they could stand it no longer. Their longing is so intense. Their worry is so intense. And so they send Timothy to find out. And when he comes back with good news, they are over the moon, verse 8. Now we really live, they say. What joy we have because you are standing firm. You see what Paul and Silas are like? They tell, they share Jesus despite opposition and they love these Thessalonians with all their heart. And why do they do this? Where does this come from? Chapter 2, verse 4, because they live to please God. Sometimes people have the wrong idea about Paul. Have you noticed that? He's a hard-nosed theologian who doesn't care about people and he especially doesn't like women, people say. How could you possibly think that about this man? He shares Jesus despite opposition and he loves them like a mother and like a father. He has a concern and intense longing and they are his great joy because he lives to please God. How do you feel about Paul? Do you have a bit of a negative spin on him? Do you love to read what he says? Do you accept every word in the Bible written by Paul as the word of God, whether you like it or not? What an encouragement it's going to be to read his letter. Paul, Silas and Timothy, they share Jesus despite opposition and they love the people. They are such an encouragement. And if you're a Christian leader... If you're a leader in the the group at school or you're a growth group leader or a youth leader, these guys are such an encouragement. They share Jesus even when it's hard and they love the people entrusted to them. And when I think about Paul, Silas and Timothy, I'm encouraged about our church as well. Because I get to engage with the leaders of our church quite a bit and They are like Paul, Silas and Timothy, I reckon. They share, teach Jesus, even when it's hard, and they love the people entrusted to them. And that's a great encouragement to me. And I reckon it ought to be an encouragement to you. Well, it's not just Paul, Silas and Timothy that are a great encouragement when you see what they're like. There's the Thessalonians. Have a look at chapter 1, verse 9. The Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. These Thessalonians were serving idols. They actually prayed to statues. They thought the emperor was a god and they prayed to him. 
And Paul came along with Silas and Timothy and he simply spoke words. He said to them, God's promised a king who must suffer and be raised and Jesus is that king. And that Jesus is going to come in wrath one day to judge all those who serve idols. And so you must turn from serving idols to serve the living and true God. Most of the Thessalonians thought it was nonsense and rejected him and wanted him out of town. But this group, these people, In just three weeks, we're convinced. They believed the words. They welcomed the words as the words of God. And even though they saw that what it did for Paul, Silas and Timothy is that they got beat up everywhere they went, they thought it would be a good idea to believe it as well. You think that would turn them off, don't you? But they believed the words, they welcomed the words, and 1 verse 6, they imitated these words, they imitated Paul and Silas, I mean, and welcomed the words with joy and suffered too. Not only that, when they were just baby Christians, a couple of months old, they were already sharing Jesus with other people. Chapter 1 verse 6, they were so excited about Jesus that the Lord's message, sorry, verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from them. They told other people about Jesus. You don't have to wait till you've been a Christian for five years to tell other people about Jesus. They did it straight away. And not only did they tell people about Jesus, they served the living God by loving one another. Already they are doing that, says Paul in verse in chapter 4. They didn't even know each other, I reckon, most of them in the church. It's a city of 100,000 people. And they're thrown together, this small group, Jews and Gentiles, suddenly they're together under intense opposition and they love each other because Jesus has thrown them together. No wonder Paul says in verse 2 and 3, We remember your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. They put up with the opposition because they were waiting for Jesus to return, and so they stood firm. They turned from serving idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven. When Paul and Silas and Timothy think about them, they are over the moon. Chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How do you reckon we should react when we read about the Thessalonians? We should be encouraged that this group of people believed the word, received it, endured opposition and loved each other, all in the space of a couple of months. The Thessalonians are a great encouragement. And as I've been thinking about the Thessalonians, I realise what an encouragement you are to me. For if you're a Christian, you've turned from idols to serve God, the idols of selfishness and pleasure and security. I see you serving God by loving one another. I see you serving him by all sorts of ministries that people are involved in and I see people waiting for his son from heaven. You actually believe that Jesus is going to return one day and save you from his wrath. 
and I see people enduring sickness, chronic sickness, and they put up with it. They endure with joy. I can think of people in our church who do that because they know that Jesus is going to return. What an encouragement Paul, Silas and Timothy are and what an encouragement the Thessalonians are. And I hope you can think about one another and be encouraged. It is encouraging, isn't it, to see people change and to see them striving and make a difference in our world. At the moment I'm reading a biography about a man called William Wilberforce. You might not have heard of him, but 200 years ago uh, he became a Christian. He turned from the, the idol of being selfish and enduring his wealth, enjoying his wealth. He became a Christian and he spent the next 30 years fighting for the abolition of the slave trade. He endured great opposition from those around him and it's really inspiring it's really encouraging what if I could be like him but it's also very discouraging because I'm nothing like him at all and it makes me feel inadequate and envious and deflated and Paul Silas and Timothy and the Thessalonians could have that effect on us couldn't they except the greatest encouragement in this letter is not Paul, Silas and Timothy. It's not the Thessalonians. There's a third character in this book, and it's God. How was it that Paul, Silas and Timothy shared Jesus despite great opposition? What was it or who was it who gave them such love that they worked night and day like a mother, that they said what needed to be said like a father, that they had great concern and joy for the Thessalonians? Do you think Paul was just naturally like that? From the age of five, he'd always been concerned for other people and looked out for them. As soon as he heard about Jesus later in life, he loved the message of Jesus and really wanted people to, to hear that message and he endured opposition. Was Paul naturally like that? No. Do you remember the story? He was one of the persecutors. And someone changed him. God changed him. He turned him from serving the idols that he worshipped to serving the living and true God. And who is it who gives him this love and helps him to share Jesus despite opposition? He says so in chapter 2, verse 2. It was with the help of our God. God is the one who did it. And what about the Thessalonians? How did they turn from idols to serve the living and true God? Were they just really clever and insightful? Why did they hear the word and accept it as the word of God? Were they more religious than the other people around them? No, everyone was religious in those days. No, God chose them, verse 4. And so when the gospel came to them, it came not only with words, but with power and with the Holy Spirit. God did it. And why did they love one another so much? Because, chapter 4, verse 9, God had taught them to do that. It's not Paul, Silas and Timothy who are the heroes. It's not the Thessalonians who are the heroes. It's God. And you see that with this very simple word in verse 2. We always thank God for all of you. He could have said, we always want to praise you. 
You guys are doing so well, Paul could have said. I want to congratulate you on what a change you've made. No. He says we always thank God for you. And not just what's already happened. The Thessalonians have got a long way to go. They need to learn about sexual purity. They need to learn to love each other more and more. They need to keep on standing firm. And who's going to do that? Who's going to make that happen in their lives? Have a look at chapter 5, verse 23. 5, verse 23. As Paul thinks about the future for the Thessalonians, he says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Paul, Silas and Timothy were such, are such an encouragement. The Thessalonians are such an encouragement. But the greatest encouragement is that God was at work in them. Is God still at work like that? When we read Thessalonians and when you read Acts, we're tempted to marvel at what God did in the past, aren't we? Gee, God was active back then. God was really doing stuff back then. I would have loved to live in those days of the early church when God was really at work. Has he died now? We know the answer to that one. He's the living God, chapter 1, verse 9, but maybe he's just grown old. And can't do the things he used to be able to do. Do you think you think like God about God like that? That he's grown tired? That he's slowed up in his old age? And that's why not much seems to be happening? That can't be true, can it? Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. God is at work in your life. God is at work in our church. And God is at work in our community as we connect and share Jesus with people. And that has got to be the greatest encouragement. Will we believe it? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement that Paul, Silas and Timothy are. We thank you for the encouragement when we see how different the Thessalonians had become. But Father, most of all, help us to see that this only happened because you were at work. And Father, help us to really believe that you are still at work just as much as you were back then, just as powerful, just as determined to complete your plan and to change people. Father, help us to encourage one another with these things.